Well, we are uh, starting a new series today called We Are PBC, and I'm going to go ahead and give you the big idea off the top, and it's this, that the, the church is more than a place you just go to, it's a people you belong to. The church is more than a place you, you go to, it's a people we belong to, and so we are the church. We are Phoenix Bible Church, and so uh, we're going to talk about that over the next four weeks, and, and we're going to go a few different places today. We're going to talk about church people, next week church purpose, then proclamation and practice, and then the last week, church potential. What could this be? What could the local church be if we really lived this out and followed the scriptures and followed Jesus passionately and purposefully as his church? And we're going to do a few special things across the series to, to help just embrace this idea of we are the church. It's a people we belong to. So you sort of get a name tag when you walked in, a we are PBC name tag. I have my nifty name tag right here. And I know some of you are like, I'm too cool for name tags, and you're not. Okay, just write, write your name on the name tag. It's symbolic to say as you're writing your name on a name tag that says we are PBC, that you realize that, that you are PBC, that you're a part of God's church and God's people. And so we want to do that every week. If this is your first Sunday here, if you've been here since the beginning, that we would do that in addition so that we could connect with each other. If we're going to talk about the people of God being the church, then it would be a good idea to connect with the people of God that is his church. And so those people specifically that you've met five times and you think I should know their name already by now, but it's too awkward to ask, Right? It's beyond the acceptable point where if you ask, they would think, do you not even love me? Do you not care for me? And, and so what you do is you just get really close and you look at their name tag. And then you know their name. That could be more awkward, actually. I don't know. But the, the whole point is to stir up conversation and connection with the people, the church of God. And so we're going to do that. We have a cool photo booth. Leanne Thomas did a fantastic job setting that up. Uh, we are PBC frame and mission statement, our mission statement, holding that up during the picture. Again, it's to capture this idea is the church is not just a place you go to, it's a people you belong to. And as I thought about and prayed over the series, I thought, I don't want to just talk about us. I want to hear from us. And so every week we're going to hear from the church, from you guys, people in our church. And, and today we're going to kick that off with a lady named Kim. And so I'm going to invite Kim up now. Would you guys welcome her to the stage with me? That's for you. What I, what I love about Kim is uh, every time I feel like I talk to you after church in passing, you tell me about a book you're reading. Or you tell me about a book I mentioned that you want to read and dig into, and you usually have a few going at one time, right? Yes. But it's just super encouraging to see you learning and wanting to soak up God's word. And, and I want you guys to hear a little bit of her story. So Kim, why don't you just start out and just tell us, who are you, family, job, all that kind of stuff. Um, my name is Kimberly Renato. Um, I'm from Chicago, Illinois. Um, I've been married for 10 years. Uh, my husband, Carl Bernardo, uh, we moved out here um, in 2006, we got married, and uh, we didn't know if we wanted to stay in Chicago, so we prayed, and God led us this way. So we packed up our car, drove to Phoenix, and uh, we <laughs> didn't know anyone here, really, uh, but it was uh, quite a journey. Um, I currently am a physical therapist. Uh, I've been uh, teaching at Midwestern University for about six years. We have a four-year-old daughter. I could go on and on, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but we really do love it here in Phoenix, but uh, we uh, we're kind of looking for uh, a place to 
to really learn more about God. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, another cool story about Kim is that uh, one of her students goes to our church. Yeah. So <laughs> if you want to get get angry at him or discipline no, him no. or anything like that, just I'm try so to grateful. Yeah. <laughs> that was a life changer for me. Uh, we always take students to uh, Guatemala for the last three years, and so. Um, it was interesting. I found out that uh, one of uh, Catch was actually had gone to seminary, and so I began to bother him during the entire trip <laughs> to ask him questions about the Bible because, uh, as you mentioned, I love to learn, and so I realized that that was kind of an area where I wanted to to you know broaden my understanding. And so uh, we kind of bartered physical therapy services for information about the Bible. Nice. And then he told me about PBC and invited me to come, and so that's how I ended up finding this church. Yeah. So th that moment during that time, what was your experience with Jesus Church before then? Had you been in church, not in the church? What was that like? I've been in church most of my life. Um, but you know, I'm ashamed to say this, but I, I know so much about my profession. I know how to help patients get better. I know how to teach my students uh, information about how to inform their decisions to treat patients. But being a Christian most of my life, I didn't feel that I knew enough about God. I didn't feel that I knew enough about what informed my decision to be a Christian. And I wanted to learn more about the history of my faith. And that's one of the reasons why I was looking for a church home that would allow me to learn that information and develop in that way. Yeah. And then remind me when you guys first showed up here. When in November. That? So soon after the, uh, okay. the mission trip, I looked online uh, and then I found the address and I came the next Sunday. <laughs> And so a lot of people have experienced uh, similar things, and even at our church experienced similar things. What, what's that journey been like since you've been here and you have this desire to grow and learn and connect with people? What's that been like for you? Well, it's taken me in a lot of different paths, uh, and it's, I guess it's really helped my family in so many different ways. One, um, uh, financial peace was something that you all offered in January through April, and that was an area where we were really struggling in our relationship, and so uh, we kind of plugged in there, and it was great to engage in small discussion groups, and, and the mentors were so awesome at um, uh, FP, FPU, and so it was really great to uh, connect with them and to connect with the members of the church. Uh, also, like helping out with the children's church and um, just different events that, uh, that you all host here. Yeah. Yeah. One, one thing that's cool about financial peace, and we just talked about this before church started, is Ron and Nissy Growth lead that ministry, and they are, are so passionate about they it, are. not just finances, but uh, what the Bible says and what Jesus yes. has to say about finances, and, and they get you involved in it and put you around other people, and there's accountability, and mm -hmm. it's not just going through a workbook or a video. So plug for Financial Peace University, it's but, <laughs> but I, I think it's so awesome that you, you went to a class to learn about finances which is one of the most awkward things that we don't like to talk about, and that's where you got connected yes. to the local church. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for sharing. Thanks for letting us in on a little bit of your sure. story. And uh, would you guys thank Kim with me? Oh, yeah. Thank you. you can take that mic with you. Uh, it, it's just good to hear people's stories. I, I, some of you may know Kim personally. You may have known all of that. Uh, but maybe you had no idea who Kim was and her story, and hopefully you can see a little bit of your story and hers and, and maybe realize ways your story is different or way, maybe realize ways you need to take a step uh, that Kim took. And we're going to do that every week uh, just so you guys can be privy to conversations and journeys and stories of the people uh, of God. Again, it's not a place we go to. It's a people we belong to. And, and we're going to dig into that today in our, in our sermon series as we kick this off, First Peter 2. 9 through 10 is where we're going to be. If you didn't grab a Bible already, there should be one near you. Grab that, pull it up on your app, follow along on the screen with us. And uh, 
you know, as we, as we hear stories like Kim's, uh, it's these kind of stories that have shaped our church, Phoenix Bible Church, since the very beginning. I think of uh, sitting in our living room uh, right before we started the church with a couple in our church who had a little baby at the time. She's not a little baby anymore, right? This was almost three years ago, and, and we're sitting on the floor in our living room, and I can vividly remember uh, their little baby trying to put toys in her mouth and trying to get her not to do that and, and all the chaos of that, just talking with this couple about how they wanted to, to grow as a couple, how they wanted to grow in their marriage, and how they wanted to grow as, as parents and how they wanted to see that intersect a church community. I remember sitting at our dining table at our first house when we first moved to Phoenix and sitting there with another couple who uh, had been praying for, and we had prayed over them for a child, and they were wondering and waiting, could this really happen? And, and we rejoiced with them over our dinner table before we even started Phoenix Bible Church that God had brought them a child and had answered this prayer. And I remember rejoicing over them, but also thinking uh, privately that I think we had prayed too hard because uh, my wife also got pregnant <laughs> with our third child, and we were starting a church with no health insurance. And, and I vividly remember that dinner table uh, and just what happened with God's church in that moment. I remember a place called the U.S. Egg, a restaurant, a chain restaurant that's throughout Phoenix. And I remember sitting at a U.S. Egg restaurant before we even started the church and started gathering publicly as the church and talking with two of our sound guys and pitching this idea and casting this vision for a church that would uphold truth but also engage culture and that we call it Phoenix Bible Church. And I remember one of those guys right then on the spot, one of our tech guys, pulling out his phone and getting the domain name phoenixbiblechurch.com right there at a U.S. egg sitting outside. I, I remember when we first started to meet as a church and we, we couldn't find a place to meet in the morning. And so we met at night at 5.30 p.m. at Grace Lutheran Church in downtown Phoenix, a beautiful building. But it was at 5.30 p.m., and I don't know if you experienced this, but 5.30 p.m. on a Sunday is the laziest time of the week, right? My kids would fall asleep on the way to church, and they're the pastor's kids, right? We had families who were just like, man, we love you, we love the church, but we just can't do it, right? Uh, it's during nap time, or our kids go to bed early and dinner time and all those things, but, but that was what we had to do to get the church started. And so we met at Grace Lutheran Church at the laziest time of the week, and we began to proclaim Jesus and sing to Jesus and build this community of, of the church. And then, of course, ASU Prep, where you are right now. For the last two years, we've met here and proclaimed Jesus and proclaimed his word and connected with one another as God's church. And, and some of you have been here, and we've set up a, a huge baptism tank, and it takes like a day to fill that thing with water because it's so big. And we're always wondering, like, are we going to damage things, and is it okay to use that here? And uh, don't listen to ASU Prep, but... Um, you guys have been here when, when you've seen that, and we put people in the water, and we've gone under the water and come out of the water to celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And one of those people a couple of years ago was a lady in our church who, who just said, I, I've believed in Jesus, but I've never followed up in baptism, and I want to be committed in my faith and, and walk in accordance with God's word. And she got baptized, and she started to volunteer in our kids' ministry. And now she's our kids' ministry director. And that happened through this place, but God began to build the church through his, through his people. And then yesterday, uh, at a home of somebody in our church, our, our band and our production team 
got together and they had a barbecue and over good conversation and good food, we began to celebrate what God is building through them, through the church and, and rejoice over that just yesterday in a home. Now I want to tell you all of that because we, we've met in a lot of places as a church. As I look across this room, some of you have met in a lot of places with us as a church, right? And, and, and the point is, is not the place, it's the people. What's sacred is not the place, it's it's the people of God. And so we've met in living rooms and dining rooms and a nice church building and a school and a, a park and in homes. But none of those places made this thing sacred. It was the people of God gathered to worship Jesus. That that's what we've experienced almost three years now as a church is the people of God. Not just a place you attend, but a people you belong to. And, and that's what we see throughout Scripture. Uh, we see throughout Scripture this people that God is building together. And so as we start this series, that's what we're talking about, that we are God's people. And we see that in our passage this morning, 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. Look at it again with me. It says uh, that we are a, a chosen race, that we are a, a nation. We're like a, a priesthood, that these are all things describing people. And, and to really understand what Paul is talking about here, you need some Old Testament background. That, that when you see chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, these are all phrases that would have described the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. And here's why that's significant. If you get some background on the book of First Peter, Peter's not just writing to Jewish Israelites. Uh, Peter's writing to, to Gentiles, non-Jewish people, people who weren't a part of the nation of Israel. And he's writing to them, and he's saying, you are now, because of Jesus, you're like a chosen race. You're like this priesthood from the Old Testament, that, that these people that Peter is writing to, that they have now a privileged status as God's people, just like the nation of Israel, that they have a, a prioritized access as God's people, just like the priest in the Old Testament, that they are now the people of God, even though they're diverse and different races and different ethnicities and different backgrounds, they are now the people of God. And we fall into that category as well. That, that all of us now have a privileged, privileged status, a prioritized access. We are all God's people if we've trusted in Jesus Christ. So God's building his church. And it's a people. It's a diverse, unified people. And he describes them here this way, but we see other ways. He describes them throughout the New Testament. We see the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians 12. We see the family of God in John 1. We see God's building, that we're God's building, that we're God's temple in 1 Corinthians 3. And I just love that imagery. I love that imagery. Again, Old Testament imagery that the temple of God was where you met with God. It was the building, the structure where you would go in and, and meet with God. God dwelled in the temple. And what I love about 1 Corinthians 3 is it's describing that the, the temple, the building, yes, God dwells there, but he also dwells with his people, that you are God's temple, that you are God's building. That, that changes when Jesus shows up on the scene, the veil between us and God, the barrier between us and God that had to be navigated through buildings and priests and, and sacrifices and all these things, that veil has been removed and now we are, are the people of God. And as Peter is writing to these people, that would have been a profound truth for them. That they're just like the nation of Israel. They are the church, the people of God. So here's what that looks like for us at Phoenix Bible Church. 
we want a building, right? Just in case you're wondering, maybe you're new to this thing, maybe you've been here for a while and you wonder, like, do we always want to set up and tear down? Like, are we just cool with, like, meeting in a school? Is that a good thing? Our set up and tear, tear down team is shaking their head no, right? And, and if you're wondering about that, we want a building. We look for a building, primarily a, a lease kind of situation where we could hopefully have it 24-7 and have a presence in the city, serve the city better in more ways than just on a Sunday, proclaim Jesus, uh, control our own AC, um, you know, all those types of things. Can I get an amen on that? Um, and so we want a building, and we look for one, and I pound the pavement for one, and some of you guys are praying with me for one, and, and I'm asking you guys to give towards a building so we can have roots in the city to proclaim Jesus and love and live and lead like Jesus. So, so we want a building, just in case you're confused on that. Don't be. But, but here's the deal. What, what we see in this text and what we see throughout Scripture is God's people as the church is that whether we get a building tomorrow or five years from now, or 10 years from now, that when you walked in here this morning, God's building walked in. When you walked in here this morning, you found your seat, and whatever seat you found, and whatever row you sat on, when you walked in here, you may not realize this, but God's temple walked in. Because we are the church. We are God's building and God's temple. We're his family. We're his people. And so we're not defined by a structure. We're not defined by these four walls. We're not defined by a steeple on this building or no steeple or stained glass or, or AC or any of those things. We are defined as the people of God, God's building, God's temple that now happens through a people. That's what you're a part of. That's what you stepped into even this morning. It's an amazing truth what God is building with his church. That when we gather in this place, when we gather in another place at some point in the future, when you scatter in your neighborhood, in your workplace, you're the church. You're God's temple. That, that that's what makes it sacred is that you're there and God's with you there. So we're the church when we're gathered and when we're scattered. We're not defined by walls, building, or meeting places. So what defines us? Look at First Peter again with me. We are defined in the second part of verse 9. Look at that verse that we are called out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's Jesus. That as believers in Jesus, we're the people of God, and we have been rescued through Jesus and his death and resurrection. We've been rescued out of the darkness of sin and into the marvelous light of Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus. And so who makes up the church? Right? Is it a social club that you join because you have all things in common? Is it a networking tool that you want to add to your list and just say, well, I'm a good businessman in the community and, and I have a family and they probably need to be in church and learn some good morals? Is it those things that, that makes up the church? No, it's the people of God who have been rescued by God through Jesus out of darkness into the marvelous light. That's what defines the church. And so if you haven't believed in Jesus, but you're checking this thing out, listen, we love it that you're here, but we'd love for you to step into the church by trusting in Jesus and being rescued out of darkness into light. That's what defines the church, not a building. And so here's what that means for us. We are not primarily a non-denominational church. We're not primarily a downtown church. We're not primarily 
a new church or a church plant. We're not primarily a church that, that meets in a school or a church that has a, a hip band, because they're pretty hip, I think, right? And, and we're not uh, a church primarily that has amazing graphics, because we have a great graphics guy, and he does a great job with that. But we're not primarily any of those things, even though you could describe us that way, that's not primarily who we are. That primarily we are a a church, a group of people that have been encountered by Jesus, the Son of God who came to live a perfect life, die a death in our place, and rise again in victory. And he has rescued us. That's what defines us as a church. That's ultimately what defines all of you in this room. And some of you are thinking, well, Tim, I... I don't know if I have my act together, and I, I didn't really want to put on one of these name tags because I don't want to be known by people, and I'm not really ready for this thing. And maybe these other people know if you have been rescued by Jesus, not what you have done, but what he has accomplished for you, what he has done for you, that's what makes you the church. Colossians 1 says it this way, that, that Jesus is the head of the church, the body of Christ. He's the head that Jesus, listen to me, this is really important, especially if you're new to this thing and you're wondering what is all this about. Jesus Christ informs and affects everything we do. How we meet on a Sunday, how we connect with one another, how we forgive one another, how we do events, how we do Bible studies and community groups. Jesus Christ is the head of all that. Listen, if we don't have Jesus, we have nothing except for a lame hobby except for the weirdest social club ever, right? That without Jesus, this is pointless. This is just something to do to put on a resume or or to feel good about ourselves. But with Jesus, Ephesians 3 says, we are the manifold wisdom of God. That with Jesus, we're the brilliance of God put on display for the whole world to see. You see, Jesus informs and affects everything about the church. He is what defines us. Being rescued by him and changed by him is what defines you and defines me. And I know as I say all this, some of you haven't had this experience. Some of you are not sure about this glorious, beautiful church that I'm describing. Some of you are new to church or maybe you're just coming back to church. And maybe you're wondering, like, I haven't experienced this exactly. I've experienced some other things, some rituals, some religion. I've been hurt by the church, and I'm coming back now, but, but I don't always see the church as you describe it. Um, yesterday, it rained in Phoenix. Amen? Praise God. It rained in Phoenix. And uh, when it rains in Phoenix, I mean, you celebrate it, right? So my family, kids, we went in our backyard, and we played in the rain. And everybody did that except for my two-year-old daughter. And what my two-year-old daughter was doing is we're playing out in the rain in the backyard, and she hid over under the patio. And she kind of held on literally to the column on this holding up the patio, and she kind of looked over and was like, what is this liquid falling from the sky? Right? Because she's two. And parents, you know this. At two years old, it's like they're experiencing everything for the first time because they don't remember what it was like to be six months old. Right? So she's seen it rain a few times, right? I think maybe two or three in Phoenix, right? She's seen it, but this was the first time she kind of began to experience it. So she was, she was hesitant, right? She was hiding. And, and so we had to grab her and Tanavi and say, hey, come on, come out in the rain. It's a lot of fun. And so we brought her out in the rain. And the very first thing she did, it was so cute, is she did like this. <laughs> she kind of crouched down and put her hands up like this liquid falling from the sky is now hitting me in the face. 
And she was unsure about that at first. But as we began to walk her around and play it on the playset with, with it raining, and as the other kids were playing with her, and the cool, refreshing water in the desert began to hit us, she began to enjoy it and laugh and have fun with everybody else playing in the rain. You see, I think for a lot of us as a church, even if you've been in the church for a while, and even if you're still coming, there's, there's some hurt, there's some hesitation associated with it. And some of you, as you see things going on in the church, you're, you're just kind of peeking out over here from a safe distance, right? Like, man, I'll just, I'll just scope it out from over here and just see if it's okay before I, I step into it, right? And that's okay. We're, we're glad you're here. There's room to explore, and we'd love for you to do that. And some of you have stepped in. You, you are in. You're in groups. You're serving and all those things. And you've kind of come out. But if you're honest, sometimes you're kind of like my two-year-old daughter, like, what is this happening to me right now? Like, why are we, why are we sitting down and standing up? Like, why do we do that all the time? Have you ever wondered that? Like, why are they always asking me to go to a Bible study or a community group or to serve once a month and give? And like, ah, that's kind of awkward, and that's kind of uncomfortable, and it feels like water is pelting you in the face a little bit. And, and you need to know wherever you are along that spectrum that you have to eventually step out and experience it. You have to have the courage and by God's grace and faith in him to step out and say, God, I'm going to prioritize Jesus and his church. I'm going to step out. All my hesitancy, all my insecurity, all my past hurts and present differences with people, that eventually I'm going to step out and I'm going to let the rain hit me in the face. And I'm going to participate on a Sunday morning. I'm going to sing songs and not just stand there with my arms folded. I'm going to go to a community group. I'm going to, I'm going to serve. They always say it's a good thing and it helps you more than it helps them. And so I'm going to do that, right? And then eventually... It is awkward at first, and it is uncomfortable, and there's parts of that for sure. But eventually, you begin to experience the, the coolness, the refreshing uh, nature, the beauty of the local church. Because you were designed for this. Because God has called you out of darkness into light to experience this, the people of God. And so I don't know what your experiences is this morning, but part of the reason why we're doing the series is that you would know what the church actually is. And it wouldn't be defined by your hesitation or your past experience, but it would be defined by, by Jesus and his people. And that's ultimately what connects us with other people. Look at verse 10. Verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. What's crazy about what Peter is saying is this. He's not only writing to a diverse group of people, Jews and Gentiles. He's writing to a scattered group of people, that if you were to go back and read the beginning of 1 Peter, that he's writing to elect exiles. They've been scattered throughout Roman provinces across a large area. And so you have to imagine as these believers in Jesus would have read this, scattered out, meeting in different places, not all meeting at the temple, meeting in different places. And Peter is saying, once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Now you're connected because of Jesus and because he's rescued you. That the church is not limited by location. You're connected to believers here at PBC, but you're also connected to believers everywhere. We see that in the Apostles' Creed. Maybe you've heard the Apostles' Creed or, or read it before, but at one point there's a line that says, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Have you read that? Maybe some of you have read that and you're Catholic and you're like, that's right. Uh, we are the, the Holy Catholic Church. I've been thinking about that a lot lately and meaning to talk to Pastor Tim about that. Like, 
Uh, some of you who aren't Catholic and, and don't really know much about Catholicism or know some things and you're not sure you just you agree with them, you think, well, so we believe in the Roman Catholic Church? Well, no, you see, this was written before the Roman Catholic Church. And, and really, the word Catholicism and Catholic means universal. And so in Apostles' Creed, when we say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of the saints, it's talking about the universal church, the big C church, that Christians across time, across locations, that we're a part of this thing, starting in Scripture till now, that you're a part of that. You're connected, diverse, scattered. You're connected with God's people. It's not defined or limited by a location. We're connected everywhere. And so tonight... I'm preaching at another church. A friend of mine, Greg Ewing, he preached here a few weeks ago. Maybe you guys were here for that. Uh, New Valley Church downtown, they're meeting uh, for their last evening service. Uh, they're a little bit of ahead of us, but they still have to meet in the evening and experience what we experienced back in the day. And so I get to close out their evening services tonight and give them a charge as they meet in the morning. And listen, they're right down the street. They're right down the street. People theoretically could go to their church or come to our church. But listen, we're connected by Jesus. We're a part of this universal church, this, this holy Catholic church. And it's, it's bigger than a building or a location, even if it's down the street, even if they're similar in style, and even if they're different in some ways, we're connected with them. And so as I show up there tonight, I'm going to treat them and they're going to treat me like family. We might even give each other a hug, right? If we get crazy enough, we might do that. Because of this, that, that we're, we're not like family in that we share a last name, but we are like family even in a more intense way and in that we share the name that is above every name, and that's Jesus Christ. And so I can show up at a, a different church building under a different banner and name, and I can give somebody a hug even if I don't know them because we're connected through Jesus. Do you see it? That this church that God is building is not limited by a location, that we're connected to a group of people across history, across the world. That's the amazing truth of the church and the people of God. That it's more than a place you go to, it's a people you belong to. That's why there's 52 one another's in the New Testament. Right? That, that's why that we're supposed to love one another serve one another, care for one another, share in one another's burden. That, that this isn't a, a private faith that we have. Right? It's public, that it's personal, but it's also public, that we don't just individualize this faith and say, well, I have Jesus, and I have my Bible, and you know, who needs people? I like Jesus, but I don't really like the church. Right? That doesn't even make sense, right? We talk about it all the time, that if you love Jesus, if you love God the Father, then you love his kids, the church, right? There's no separation between those two. And, and so we, we belong together, and we one another 52 one another's in the New Testament, we, we love, we serve, we care, we share. Right? I think about it in our church. A couple in our church who just got married a while back, and their wedding was like a, a Phoenix Bible Church worship service, right? And it's not just because a lot of you attended that wedding. It was because a lot of you leading up to the wedding helped plan the wedding. They put you to work. Right? You all had roles and jobs. And when I showed up at the wedding to officiate the wedding, I, I walked up to a few people in our church hanging lights for the reception. Right? And they couldn't get them right, and it took a lot of time, and it went right up to the, the ceremony. I'm sure that wasn't stressful at all. right? Uh, but people were doing stuff and really like managing this event. And after the service, we, we danced together. right? And that's when you really get close. Amen? 
is when you see some people's dance moves, good or bad, let's be honest, that's when you really get close. And we were all not just attending this thing, not just consuming this thing. We were participating and contributing as God's church at a wedding in West Phoenix, right? That I, I think about times uh, when there's a girl in our church who texts my wife and just says, hey, how can I pray for you and your family this week? Like on a Sunday night, just pretty frequently, she gets this text from this girl in our church, and I'm sure she's getting ready for her week and her Monday, but she texts my wife and says, how can I pray for you and your family this week? That we see, hopefully you've experienced examples of this church that you belong to, that you're connected with, and it's a beautiful thing. Is it messy? Absolutely. Read the Bible, right? We shouldn't expect it not to be messy. It shouldn't shock us that it's messy, right? There's letters in the New Testament written to churches, letters, chapters, long letters written to say, here's how you navigate conflict and personalities and preferences, and here's how you do all that to the glory of God and for your joy. And we get to experience that even when it's messy, right? And so hopefully you have experienced that. I have experienced that. But, but here's what I know. As we hear a sermon like this, that, that it's easy to say one day. That it's easy to say one day. Right? I mean, Tim, that's, that's amazing. God is building his, his big C church and his local C church here at Phoenix Bible Church. And that's, that's encouraging that we can be a part of this thing. And, and so one day, I'll experience that. Like one day when my, my schedule slows down, when I get myself right, when I meet the right people, when he reaches out, when she apologizes, and we all have these ideals. Even today, we could walk out of here with these ideals of like, that's amazing, I don't know if it's for me, maybe one day I'll experience that. There's this quote I love by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he's a great German theologian, and he said this, that Christian community is not an ideal that we have to realize, but rather a reality created by God and Christ in which we may participate. You see, we don't have to wait for one day. We can experience it today because it doesn't depend on you. And it doesn't depend on that person connecting with you or being the right person to connect with you or in the same season of life. It doesn't depend on you getting your act together. It doesn't depend on that person even forgiving you. It doesn't depend on that person reaching out to you. That this has already been wrought for you through the cross and resurrection of Jesus. He didn't just reconcile you to himself. He reconciled you with his kids. Right? That this is a reality that you step into today. Exactly where you're sitting. Exactly who you are. Right? And so how do we experience that? I just want to give you a couple of things as we close. The, the first thing is we need to acknowledge that we have ideals. Right? We need to acknowledge that we have ideals. There's, there's many ideals, expectations uh, that we think one day I'll get involved and we never experience those. So we never get involved in the church. I think one is this thing of I'll find people just like me and it will be easy. I'll find people just like me and it will be easy. One day, that, that, that will happen. But the reality is people are, are different and community takes time and humility. But listen, that is what refines us that maybe some of you need some other young couples to hang out with, right? Who all have the same hobbies and like to hike, and you have a, a dog, and you have the same humor. And maybe some of you guys need that, and you need friends like that that share affinities. But maybe 
you don't always just need that, right? College students, maybe you don't always just need college students that have everything in common with you. Some of our older people in the church, maybe you don't always need people in your age range that get everything and listen to your music and, and know everything that you're going through and heading into in your season of life. Maybe that's always not what's best for you. That maybe you need to be around some different people. And as we look at scripture, it seems like that's the way God has uh, defined it and designed it. First Peter, people are scattered throughout different nationalities, different backgrounds, yet, yet Peter's calling them a people, a nation joined together. I don't know about you, but it's been some of the people who I never thought I would hang out with that have been some of the most impactful people in my life. Maybe that's what you need, and we need to crush this ideal and remove this ideal of, I'll wait till I find people just like me, and it'll be easy. Ideal number two is that I'll connect with everyone. I think social media uh, helps elevate this ideal that, that everyone should like us, right? Literally and on the button on Facebook, right? That, that we, we check our feed and we know what everybody's doing. And, and in some ways, we feel like we know everyone, but we're not connected to anyone. You ever feel like that? If, if you feel like that now, one of your application points today is maybe not do more, go to this event, join this group, check more social media, get more connected to more people. But maybe it's stopping and say, who, who can I go deep with? I don't need to know everyone, but I need to connect deeply with someone or a few people, and what does that look like? What does it look like to come early and stay late and, and purposefully, intentionally connect with a few people? What does that look like? Some of us need to acknowledge this ideal that we want to be liked and connected with everyone, and we need to focus on a few. Ideal number three, I think this one is, hits a lot of us, is that I won't get hurt. I won't get hurt, right? That if, if God is loving and God's people follow God, They'll be loving, and I won't get hurt, and I shouldn't have gotten hurt in the past. And, and, and maybe some of you, you would never say that, but you have that ideal of, like, it should all work out and be peaceful and loving. And if you've been hurt or if you get hurt, you, you remove yourself. And, and some of us need to acknowledge that ideal. We need to look at the Bible and be honest. Like, there's sin, there's conflict. We've been rescued out of darkness and into light, but we still carry around our flesh and sin, and we annoy one another. Right? And we frustrate one another. And we get hurt by one another. But, but the beauty of the church doesn't lie in never-ending peace, void of conflict, right? The beauty of the church is, is defined by and celebrated by people who are different, who do have conflict, who do sin against one another, but they still stay in the game. Right? They still stay in the relationship, and they forgive, and they repent, and people on the outside are like, hey, isn't that the guy you talked about that, that hurt you, or isn't that the girl who said that thing to you, or, or you thought she didn't like you, and now you're hanging out with one another? Why do you do that? And we get to say, yeah, man, there's, there's conflict, and there's sin, and it's messy at times, but we are connected by Jesus. He has forgiven us, so we forgive others, and it's a beautiful thing, and God has refined me through these conflicts. Okay? The, the, that we have to get past our hurt. Because listen, I've walked through hurts with you guys, but I've also been hurt. And I don't mean theoretically by the church. I don't mean at a previous church that you don't know about. I mean by this church. I mean by some of you. Let's just be honest right now. Can we be honest? I've been hurt by some of you. I have hurt some of you, right? And so the reality is we've all experienced this. No one is immune to this. But because of Jesus... 
His grace overcomes that. His mercy overcomes that. His grace connects us even when we've been hurt. And it's this refining, beautiful mess that we all get to be a part of. Right? I've talked to so many people who, who have said, Tim, I'm glad I stayed. You know, at the beginning, I didn't know. I didn't know who I was going to connect with. And I didn't know what it was going to look like, Phoenix Bible Church, a new church, and all these things. But I'm, I'm glad I stayed because this person that I didn't know if I would connect with, man, I hang out with that guy all the time now. This girl that I didn't know uh, wanted to have anything to do with me, I'm now married to. Right? Those are some of the best stories ever because they've given it time and space and they haven't allowed these ideals to control their experience in the church, but they've allowed Jesus and his people and what he has accomplished to direct that. And it's an amazing thing. So the last thing is let's take a step to participate. Uh, For some of us, that's just coming to church on Sundays and experience this more uh, consistently. For some of us, that's something called starting point where we learn about the church. We're having that later this month and how to connect and serve. For some of us, that's community groups, Bible studies that meet during the week where we do life with one another. We're going to announce a new community group uh, this Sunday at the end of the service. Maybe that one is for you. We're going to do an event at the end of the month, uh, a pool party. And and maybe one of you needs to take one of those steps. Maybe you need to take your bulletin that you got when you walked in and tear off that connect card and drop it in the offering. And just ask a question. Just take that first step. But here's the thing I think we all will have to do, no matter where we are, is we'll have to prioritize this. It won't just happen accidentally. That to pick up something, you often have to put something down, right? That to add something to your life, you often have to subtract something in our, in our lives. We have to prioritize this, this beautiful mess that is Jesus and the, the local church. And so what is it that you need to, to put down? What is it in your schedule or your insecurities or your fears or your doubts or your past experiences or your present differences that you just need to, in Jesus, with the power of the Spirit this morning, just say, I'm going I'm to set that down over here, and I'm going to step into this. What, what is that for you? If you've been walking with Jesus, you're involved in our church, if you're new to this thing, what is that for you? You see, we're going to talk about what the church does, but we have to realize who the church is first, right? And those stories I shared at the beginning, man, that's just the beginning of this church, right? We're not even three years old yet. And the reality is today's a story, right? And so as you walked in here, you're you're part of this story. You're part of the people of God. And as you subtract things and add things about the church and Jesus to your life, as you put things down and step into this reality that we get to experience, you're a part of this story. That a year from now, we could share a story, you could share a story of July 2017, the We Are PBC sermon series, I talked to somebody new, and God changed my life. That I, that I stepped into a group, and that God changed my life and built me as a part of the church. That I, I joined Financial Peace University, and God began to, to shape and form my life. That can happen today, not one day, today. So what is that step for you to take as we experience this church? It's not a place we go to. It's a people we belong to, and it's a beautiful, amazing thing. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you for your church, and I thank you that you allow us to experience it and embrace it by the grace of Jesus Christ and by the change we've experienced in Jesus Christ. And God, I pray for these men and women, even now, that they would take a step to experience it. Uh, Whatever they need to set down, 
maybe in repentance to you of sin or, or bitterness towards the church or people in the church, that they would set that down, that they wouldn't allow that to inhibit them from experience, experiencing the, the great design, the great joy of your church. God, that you would help us take that step as we sing songs about you, as we celebrate communion, as we give financially, that you would help us to experience your church, what you have designed it for, that it would bring you glory and us joy. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray that. Amen.